Welcome to the Download Podcast, the audio companion to the Download Video Show, presented by Microsoft Advertising. The Download, featuring more trends and insights for digital marketers, with your host, Jennifer Solomon Baum. Welcome to another episode of the Download Podcast. This is episode 12. I'm Jennifer Solomon Baum, head of the America's marketing team at Microsoft Advertising, coming to you from our studios in Los Angeles. This podcast is the audio companion to our download video show, which is out now. So definitely check that out on our website at microsoftadvertising.com slash the download. Also available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Microsoft Advertising. So coming up on this show, our Trends with Benefits segment, where we look at a couple of trends that we think are worth unpacking a bit more and will have an impact on the world of advertising in the near future. Also, our big interview this time, we're going to take a look at what's happening in the agency world with a very special guest, James Berner. He's a VP of Media and Partnership at Jellyfish, a digital agency that, open quote, reclaims performance for the platform era, end quote. That sounds very cool. So we'll discuss big topics with James, such as the future of the ad industry, measurement, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and culture. Lots to explore. It should be a great discussion. And since we're talking about agencies, I thought it would be a good idea to include a guest host. So joining me right now from Seattle, he's an agency lead here at Microsoft Advertising, my colleague, Nick Berliner. Woo! Hi, Nick. Yes, yes thank you. Thank you for having me. So in your role, you get to talk to agencies on the regular, right? Particularly in independent agencies. So what's the one thing right now that keeps them up at night? Yes. I mean, I think there are a number of things in the industry and, you know, the data privacy and identity piece is, is definitely foremost on minds. But I think that across the board, the biggest issue is having the talent to fulfill new business. Look, you know, growth targets are remain. Every, everybody needs to grow. And so agencies go and, you know, knock pitches out of the park, win new business. And, and now what? Uh, because it's so hard to win, uh, retain, and cultivate talent enough to service these new clients. Yeah. And amidst the great reshuffle. So, yep. well, we'll count on you to help make sense of all of this in our conversation with our guests. But before that, let's talk about insights a little bit. So I hear it's the return of the PC. And it seems that we have seen this year the fastest year-on-year growth in two decades and another really interesting data point here that I've read was around like nearly two thirds or 62% of responded from a survey that we did stated that they regularly research or purchase product and services during their work time. I do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's really interesting because we've been talking about, you know, it's all on mobile, but sometimes you like to see like that piece of clothes or that pair of shoes or that chair, you want to see this on a bigger screen, right? And so what's your take on that? Yes, 100%. You know, people are just spending, you know, flat out more time on PCs. And, uh, and that means they are shopping more on PCs. And, and with 1.3 billion Windows 11 devices, that means there's a big opportunity for, for advertisers. And it's almost been an hour since the last time I brought up that uh, Microsoft advertising had 40% of the uh, market share on PCs. So 
So we like it. Are you a salesperson, Nick? Because that was very smooth. Yeah, no, they, they uh, <laughs> all my partners love that, love that line. They wait for it. But, but yeah, of course, if they're spending more time at home, you're on your PC or device, and that means it's easier to switch switch around and, and do some shopping or do some research and make purchases. Yeah. And Nick, it seems that this trend is not going to change, right? Agreed. People are going to continue to be on their PCs when they go, when we do eventually go back to the office and especially no one will be going back to the office hundred percent. So in yep. hybrid, there's just that, that amount, that amount of time people are going to spend on PCs is going to always be at a new baseline. Yeah. Fair enough. Quick reminder that the download podcast is sponsored by Sure, makers of an audio icon. The Shure SM7B is the essential microphone for audio creators, large and small, all across the digital universe. Shure, the first choice for voice. All right, let's get into our big interview now. You're listening to the Download Podcast. Presented by Microsoft Advertising. With Jennifer Solomon Baum. And now, time for this month's big interview. You think you're big time? You big time? You big time? Nick, you brought a guest today. True indeed. We have a, a very special guest. We have James Borner, who is the Vice President of Media and Partnerships at Jellyfish. James develops business and marketing solutions for clients all across all digital channels. And James has worked in digital marketing for all of his career uh, with various roles with clients, publishers, and agency groups. And he also pioneers programmatic solutions, which he's done for holding companies and now at Jellyfish. So, James, welcome to The Download. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. James, really appreciate you being here. So... Maybe you can just give us kind of the, the lay of the land, a little bit about kind of the future of our, our ecosystem, agencies, industry, who are the players today, tomorrow, and, and what needs to change? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, um, what a way to start. I mean, it's a, a big meaty topic for sure, <laughs> but um, it surprises nobody. We know that we're going through change in the industry and like this specific breed of change that we're experiencing right now, I think it's fair to say feels a little bit more tangible and a little bit more real than previous ones. Privacy is the big thing that people have been talking about. This is the uh, the real thing that our advertisers and our partners are, are asking us about. And the reason I say this change kind of feels a little bit more real is because we're not dealing with the fast pace of acceleration with digital and all the wonderful things and the challenges that comes. We're now starting to, to be under the eye of regulators and governments and, and, and bodies like that. So it's kind of validating in, in, in a way, but like it's also nerve inducing. So we can't afford to fall foul of that as an industry and our clients can't afford to fall foul of that because they need to keep a you know uh, they need to keep their customers happy feeling good and sacred and they need to have that level of trust and, and respect there so everybody is grappling with making sure that they can continue to do their good work but trying to understand what limitations are, are going to be around in in the future in the near term and the longer term specifically our global clients that are having to deal with a, a, a patchwork a fragmentation of regulation uh, having to get their heads around that as well and i think we're starting to see the industry and, and tech ecosystem of players adapt and arrange as well there's there's some people that obviously their whole business model revolves around identities identity across different websites third-party tracking etc which is going to be heavily impacted so some people will have to reinvent their business models 
others are, are going to be well placed to deal with that. But from a client's point of view, I think as people start to naturally understand digital a lot more, people in client side who have just natively grown up being digital people as opposed to, to not when, when we may have started work, that's led to a kind of shift in how we understand media, how we buy media. And maybe the biggest change I think we've seen is the hold codes, which we all love and adore and, and know so well, which would have been primarily maybe a one-stop shop for a lot of acquisitive media. People are now starting to get a little bit more under the skin of, of what goes on, how you can target by measure, what you can really do. And they've started to see that uh, maybe some specialist companies and, and getting closer relationships with those companies is going to put their marketing in better stead going forward. And it's also going to insulate them and future-proof themselves a lot. I mean, there's space for everybody in the ecosystem, but we're starting to see people get, get closer to players and, and, and technologists as well, I think. And as an independent agency, what do you think is really your competitive advantage versus the others? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, we've grown a lot in the past 10 years. We've managed to stay very agile and being able to respond to our clients' needs really quickly. We used to kind of have the phrase that we were the, uh, the biggest boutique agency that was, and the, there was a lot of truth in that. That was the essence of what we wanted to, to do. We, we needed to be boutique, it needed to be, our engagements needed to be very specific and tailored to clients. Obviously, that becomes harder to maintain as, you, as we scale, but we're still at that magic size where we can capitalize on that, but also uh, start to incorporate some of the safety and sanctity of big business processes and unlock some of the value that that can bring as well. So I think we're kind of, we're in this lucky sweet spot at the moment. And I think managing those two and keeping those two aspects like uh, working well together is going to be what, what's good for, for us uh, and for our clients, hopefully going forward. Yeah, back to the, uh, on the data privacy and identity piece. So is that role, is that a, a new department within agencies or at Jellyfish? Is that something that people need to like actually source and have an expert specifically in that topic to address with their with clients and their customers? Absolutely. 100%, right? You know, I can speak for us for sure. And, and I, you know, I, all of my friends and, and colleagues in the industry, I think one thing that we would see is We've always had people with these skills. Uh, we've always had people that have either understood the data that they're using, understand some of the laws around data, such as the fact that it shouldn't cross borders. And, you know, that's a, a meaty topic. The whole industry, particularly the big tech giants, are, are going to have to deal with. But if you're a, a, maybe a list marketer going back many years, you'd have known that, you know, that's just part of the course anyway. So it's about crystallizing those people maybe ring fencing and building departments around them. So we have robust data practices and everybody in the industry should be doing that. What's new though is titles like we have a data protection officer now, of course. And that's for us, certainly that was that was a, a, a newer role. And I'd imagine every one of our competitors set and, and our friends would be looking at to, to do those kind of things and they can become important. Absolutely. Nice. Okay, maybe some, this is a little bit closer to your area of expertise and talking about measurement, um, you know, data, good and bad. We know that, you know, bad decisions come from bad data. And so what's what really matters? What's the most important when you're looking at how to how to handle data? First, I think is collection and use of data. I mean, 
when we think about what data was really empowering in advertising and digital, it was firstly to unlock the power of measurement, to be able to track our different channels and activities, marry that back to actions on site, profitability, lifetime value, all of those good things. And at its core, what we were trying to do was track as much as we could to create lots of data so we could have this really full picture of our client's engagement from first touch through to to last. The idea that we could have this really clear 100% view of all activities, this rich set of data to be able to make good decisions on is probably a little bit of an unattainable goal anyway. And now with everything coming to a head and and consumers becoming more involved in privacy and and understanding what we do with their data, it's very fair to say the pendulum's swung too far that way. But luckily, you know, all we have to do is look back in time and we can start to see some of the older methodologies that we'd use, such as econometrics and and, and geotests and experiments, like can hold a lot of information and insight for us. So... Where we are right now is trying to make sure that, that one, we're never overstepping the bounds of what we can collect. We've got to respect our consumers there. We've also got to make sure that we're comfortable with doing more with less, understand that modeling works. I think as well, our chief solutions officer for data and planning is a smart, smart guy called James Parker. And he's been a long advocate of, I'd rather have less stronger data and I'd rather have good models that I can use to extrapolate that than I would have full visibility of activity but maybe that data quality is not so much so we're really advocating people getting more confident and comfortable with models model conversions model attribution and then support that with some of the the more traditional measurement methodologies as I mentioned and try and get to that happy place and make sure that we can can keep finding those consumer insights, keep understanding the right mix of media for our customers and make sure that, hey, not lose sight of things. We want pleasant ad and media experiences for people as well, for customers. So it all has to tie back to to that. Makes sense. Less and better data. At times also is a challenge to reconcile the different collection uh, points for the data. And so you have separate analytics or insights, but how do you bring this all together? And so maybe tell us a little bit about what maybe the majority of your clients are really keen on better understanding now in 2022 versus maybe five five years ago. Great question, Jennifer. Of course, I, like the big questions will never go away. Like our clients will always want to know what's the optimal mix of channels. They'll always want to know how awareness and, uh, and top of funnel work marries through to, to performance and how they can best find that mix. I don't think those are going to change. But now, particularly as people are getting more comfortable with the amount of technology that goes into advertising, and I'm talking about our clients here, really the shift has been from having technologies that are just best of breed at what they do. So your media execution in silos is great, but there's now a degree of trying to make sure that that's good, but connectivity across these systems and being able to sew together things, and again, in a privacy place and and compliant way, being able to see journeys like that is definitely key. So the despite what I was saying before about tracking and, 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 and maybe that pendulum going too far, still brands now do have a, a slightly better handle on, on how their, their media is working together. But the watchword is, let's marry the old and the new. We can extrapolate some good information on a very detailed this touch, this touch, this touch, this touch kind of tracking 
but couple that with some broader measurement to, to fill in those gaps. And I, I think we get a really strong picture and then we can start to plan in a way that, that makes sense. And one thing else that I'd, I'd kind of like to throw into to that as well is like serving up people content and experiences in a way that they want and trying to understand what resonates either with my client base or small segments of my client base. That's going to be great. And that doesn't have to be on a one-to-one level, which is I think where that privacy pendulum swings too far. This can be on with, with big groups of cohorts as well which is again is nothing new but this is how I think we should be playing out our activities yeah fascinating let's uh, switch gear a little bit and, and talk about company culture so obviously the last two years have certainly changed how we think about company culture at first we're all working from home and now we're in a hybrid situation sometimes we go sometimes we don't go to the office and so we've been really building on the the capital of relationship that we've had from being together in the same space. So even before that, I think that you had, uh, Jellyfish, you had started to incorporate a dramatic change and look at the, the structure of the company very differently, right? So tell us about all those changes and, and how you are organized and thinking about company culture at Jellyfish. We've been on a really interesting journey uh, past four or five years that is really the culmination of trying to solve a few problems. First is the perennial issue we've always had in digital, which is talent acquisition and, and retention, right? And especially in the media agency world, we always joke with kind of tears in our eyes and sorrow in our hearts that it's like a merry-go-round sometimes, which is great for cross-pollination of people, like building a strong networked industry, etc. But it, for running a company it becomes a little bit more challenging for having consistency with clients it becomes a little bit more challenging so to address that and to try and make early fish a nicer place to, to be and stay and to grow up in we did a few things first of all investment into talent training people fresh out of school college or, or anybody that fancies a career change we invested time and effort into creating like an academy so we could train people They could work for us while they were doing that. If they wanted to stay working for us once they graduated, great. But also our, our leader, Rob Pierre, is very prudent when it comes down to, to these things. He also had the vision that if we trained people and, and they didn't want to work for us after they'd done that and they went to work for another agency or just in digital, at one point they might remember us fondly and, and come back. So he was really thinking about these long-term kind of changes. And then that coupled into trying to make our working environment a lot better to try and reduce some of the challenges that we're seeing so what we did realize is a lot of the reasons for any inequalities whether that's gender pay racial balance or anything that we need to think about within the within the company a lot of this stems from how we hire and how we manage So what Rob did is he researched and thought about different ways of a hierarchical structure to exist in the organization. And we flattened that. We we now actually don't have like the classic line management hierarchy. We kind of operate independent pods. Every person in the agency has a capability lead, which would effectively be the person that makes sure that they're doing their job right, steers them on the right course, makes sure the day-to-day still kind of happen. But they have a people partner in the their HR rep and a finance partner. And so we kind of operate in these pods. But the big thing, the step change was was how we promote and how we assess people's performance. And to try and make sure we were getting rid of every bit of bias in that process, what we did was we now, if you want to have a promotion at Jellyfish, you'll put together a, a little business case, which ties into your PDP plan. We still have all the good things to enable people to be the, be the best versions of themselves. But you will put your business case 
we'll anonymize it. It will go in front of a blind panel of your peers who will listen to a set of business cases. We do this like once a quarter, I think. And then without knowing who it is that they're talking about, just on the merits of their work and their case, they will either give them a title promotion uh, or, so there's that piece. But to accommodate people that don't always want to just climb up the ranks, they want to excel what they're doing you know, in the area that they are right now, we also give just salary promotions as well. So you can be at the same kind of level, but you can constantly increase your earnings as your value exchange with the company increases as well. So if you're not the kind of, if you don't want to be at the top of that, that hierarchical tree, you don't have to be, you can, but you can still have a career here as well. So that was the big things that we've been changing. That's fascinating. How is that working? So far, so good. I mean, I think we're a couple of years into this now. So I think the first year was everybody kind of finding finding their feet and, and getting used to, to the new way of working. We've refined that process of business cases and panel to make sure that it is truly, as we say it is, and we, we had a few refinements just to make it to get that right. I've sat on a couple of the panels, as, you know, assessing people and like, one thing that's really nice about it is you get to see the wonderful work that happens around the organization that you might not see. So I think people start to appreciate their colleagues in distant business areas a little bit more and everything seems to be working. So we're happy with this and I think it's going to be, be the future for us for sure. Wow, what a creative and inclusive way of thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's super, super interesting. And it's definitely a nod towards servicing the individual needs of what people want out of their career because you're right not every not every person wants to you know immediately shoot up to the highest title and they're like I experienced and I'm adding value can I just get you know can you throw me some salary so you know sometimes people just want to be at the uh, the bottom of the top as cousin Greg would say wow that's a nice way of putting it <laughs> yes and, you know, And as well, like, you know, personal, personal experience, like I am one of those people, like I would never say, you know, I learned this, but now I would never say the mature James would never say, yeah, I'm a natural leader. You know, I'm not like, that's a very specific oh. kind of skill. And like, I, you know, everyone knows when they've had a great boss, when you've had a great boss, sometimes you realize that some of the other ones maybe weren't to get the best out of people. Obviously, you know, that you need a good, good leader. And if you're not that person, that's great. And I'm not. So I can now excel in what I want to do, uh, being a, a kind of individual contributor. And one thing that's kind of nice as well is does help people kind of map their career paths. Yeah, a little bit to purely to their strengths. And like, we're encouraged to take on projects that we might want to work on, which will fulfill business needs. Of course, you know, there has to be that kind of balance. It has to be good for the business as well. But we're encouraging people to do these kind of things to put in their business cases to help them with their careers. So uh, maybe people can find new directions too. Yeah, brilliant. James Berner, VP of Media and Partnership at Jellyfish. Thank you so much for being part of the download. Thank you, James. Thank you so much. It was a, a huge pleasure, and I feel honored to be among the illustrious guests that you have. Thank you. <laughs> that was a really great interview with James. So what did you think, Nick? What, what are your highlights? Yes, yeah, it was great that he came on. You know, he had a, a lot to say. He's an excitable gentleman uh, around <laughs> yes. the future of our industry and measurement and data. But I was really piqued by the restructure of the company and how they've, you know, done something I haven't really heard of in the industry. And, but it's wholeheartedly to serve the individual needs of their employees and the varied needs. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such an inclusive and creative way of thinking about structure and promotion and everything. But you just mentioned the individual needs of people, and that leads us perfectly well to our next segment, Trends with Benefits. And now, The Download presents Trends with Benefits. Woohoo! New developments in marketing we are infatuated with. Nick, you have the honor of the first trend of this segment. Tell me what okay. you have been cooking. Okay, well, I've been reading a bit about the uh, the rise of individualism and how that's going to play a big part in how brands and employers think in 2022. So with brands and with marketers and people who, uh, you know, write ads, the shopping experience is such a big deal now, And but it's very, people want, some people want a very, you know, involved experience so that takes them through every step and gets them excited. Um, others just want to buy something and get out. Plus their desired work environments are super varied as well. And yep. so brands and employers will not be able to retain people unless they kind of service that broad range of needs. REI is a company that has always done a really great job of the customer experience and servicing different needs. And, and one of the things that they, you know, like a lot of folks, they've turn to curbside pickup and all these different ways to pick up your products and they're going to keep that going forward. And so they had, you know, in Seattle here, there's a huge line of people waiting to, you know, lined up with their cars to just pop in and, and grab their gear. And uh, they also have this, you know, incredible community that reviews every product, but you can also move quickly through that. West Elm is a holding company. They have had beautiful mobile sites that have really tapped into how people shop and they have social feeds within all of the products where people can kind of see the look in people's homes. And so I think those are two companies that have figured out a way to make the a customer experience buying process fun. Yeah. I mean, is it the hyper personalization in a way? I mean, yep. sometimes I think about me, like whenever I go to REI, first of all, I buy way more than what I need, in fact, but like sometimes I just want to go in and get and be out in three minutes. And sometimes yep. I just want to linger. And so yep. mm, interesting. And then on the company side, I think this is where it gets really interesting around meeting the individual with flexible perks and benefits. And that's the one that companies really got to figure out. And specifically, I'm always fascinated by how people use PTO or don't. And like the study I looked at that said there's like 800 million unused PTO days on the books and people leave up to $65 billion of unused benefits. So, wow. but the thing is, you know, companies give PTO for a reason that, you know, for people to recharge and not quit. So they want you, companies want you to take that take your time off. And so unused PTO is a liability in a lot of ways. But in our current state where a lot of people don't want to travel or people are at home with looking for childcare or responsible for, for elder care, mm. can PTO be used to support those initiatives? You know, should companies pay out unused PTO every year instead of like when you leave the business? And so I think there's a lot of interesting things there. Also, I don't like acronyms, so you should know this, but you know, personal time off is PTO. Oh, right, it took right, me forever right, to understand what right. the hell PTO was. So thank you. Right. Sorry. One of the th cool things that companies have been doing around is, you know, offering wellness days and yes. mental health days and giving more of those. But I think that can be fraught too, because often people are taking those days. But if you're 
you know, if it's a day where you are, uh, everybody else on your team or your colleagues are all working, are you really getting a break if you're still going to get it and, you know, getting bombarded with emails? And so a company that I thought did something cool this earlier this year was Tenuity, which is a large independent agency. They shut down the whole business from a Wednesday to Wednesday and did a recharge week for everybody. And so no meetings, no yeah. emails. They set it up with their clients to make sure they were supported. So it wasn't just like over the holidays were shutting down. They were like, no, this is the right time. We're giving everybody a break. And so that meant that everybody was in the same spot doing whatever they needed to recharge. So yeah, that's brilliant. And a few other companies have done that actually. And our cousins yep. at LinkedIn also closed shop yes, that's for right. a whole that's week. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's funny because it made me think of an article I just read recently on Fast Company. And they were encouraging everybody to be very creative with their out of office messages. Yep. And one that I'm going to absolutely do is, <laughs> is actually, you know, when you go on vacation, you're off for like a week or two, and then you come back to a ginormous inbox. And so they were saying, they were arguing that actually tell everybody that you will not read yeah. the emails that you have received when you were off. Delete immediately. And if they I really need you, they will get back to you. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's just like the meme. And it's just like... I ain't going to read all that. So I'm, I'm sorry that it happened yes. or I'm happy for you. So <laughs> Exactly. Okay. So maybe one takeaway that brands should think about based on this trend that you're bringing up. For brands, they need to think about the buying experience yes. for, from the customer point of view. And so for so long, we've been, as marketers, we've been trying to remove as much friction as possible so we can get to the the transaction. And there's so much competition and people's that right now and people's loyalty switch that you have to actually think about what is the what is the buying experience that the buyer wants and design your process to that versus kind of the outcome that you want, which is kind of how we've always thought about in advertising and in retail. Yep. Great. Absolutely. Okay. So I have another trend and um, we sort of unpacked this in our download web show. Check that one out because this is out on our YouTube channel and on our website as well. And we'll put the link in the show notes. But we interviewed Lucy Green, who is a futurist and an award-winning author. She has her own company called Light Years, and she partnered with Conspiracy of Love, and they put a, a big trend, a piece together for 2022. And, and this trends piece this year is really based on purpose. And so there was one that I really loved around sustainable future, and I think we have a clip for this. So if we can roll the clip. We have a chapter on the future of sustainability. There was some really interesting data recently from uh, Wonderman Thompson, where I used to work in their futures department, about just how much consumer expectation of brands has really increased during the pandemic, how ambitious brands are in tackling climate change and expecting them to not just clean up their racks, but basically build the future, build new materials, create new systems. We also partner with Dentsu, the agency, and we have a joint a research around sustainable advertising. And so I think that that made me really think about how do we reconcile this notion of behaving in a sustainable manner? You know, we recycle our garbage. You know, we tried not to use paper straw and all of that. So as individuals, we behave in a certain way. But as businesses, for brands and for the advertising business, we also need to think about sustainability and long-term impact. Check the Future of Good report from our friends Lucy Green at uh, Light Years and Conspiracy of Love. There's a ton of actionable tips on how you really activate a sustainable future for the planet. Okay. Well, Nick, this was such a fascinating conversation. So much fun. And thank you for being my co-host this time. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Make sure to check out episode 12 
of our video show. It's out now at youtube.com slash Microsoft Advertising. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And from all of us at Microsoft Advertising, chat soon. You've been listening to the Download Podcast with Jennifer Solomon Baum. All thoughts are her own. To watch the Download Video Show, visit MicrosoftAdvertising.com slash the download.